Hey everyone, thank you for listening to the 505 Success Podcast, the business leaders of New Mexico brought to you by Exhibit. This is a podcast about the business leaders in Albuquerque and throughout New Mexico. We speak to these leaders each week to discover how they define success, how they've grown success in their business, and how they strive for success every day, and how more throughout New Mexico can find their own path to success. The 505 Success Podcast is brought to you by Exhibit. You only have 3.8 seconds to gain the attention of your audience while exhibiting at a trade show, event, or conference. At Exhibit, we design and produce great-looking graphics and exhibits to get you noticed. We also teach you all those hidden secrets of how to save money while at a show, along with some best practices. Call now, 828-0574, or visit us on the web exhib-it.com. Okay, this is a podcast interview for Jeffrey Conladio, recorded on October 3rd. All right, Jeffrey, uh, thank you for uh, being on Follow 5 Success. Um, we appreciate your time. So why don't we start off with, why don't you tell us about you and your business? Absolutely. Thank you again for having me as a guest on your podcast. I appreciate it. Again, Jeffrey Candelari. My business is Connection, uh, now 03 LLC or Connection, and it's spelled with a K, by the way. So my background is actually uh, behavioral economics. I studied organizational communication and industrial psychology as kind of a discipline way back in the day. And I used those principles when I worked at the Albuquerque Espano Chamber of Commerce raised uh, something like $12 million in corporate sponsorship and membership, utilizing the principles of limbic and frontal cortex sales. I don't want to get too technical, but it's, it's using principles of sales based on how the consumer, how the client, how the purchaser views the sales process and the actual um, uh, sales transaction in and of itself. Again, I use the word transaction very carefully because one of the things I really resist in my business is transactional sales. I think too many people get trained on transactional sales and not true process sales, which encompasses what happens before the sale, during the sale, and after the sale. That, that's very interesting. You, you, and you and I have had this discussion before. You have a very unique way at approaching branding and approaching sales. Uh, what what helped shape your views and how did you get to where you're at in terms of seeing your approach to sales and branding? Probably my background. I grew up in a kind of a blighted area of Albuquerque here in New Mexico. My mother died when I was a kid. So I had to learn how to be a mature, authentic, courageous child. And I used those principles in business because most people, frankly, that are in sales, they're not very courageous because we're not taught courage. We're taught uh, dumb transactional strategies by most of these yeah. sales managers and corporate America teaches us to really just process people based on transactions and true sales when you're committed requires a lot of courage because it requires courage to be authentic because of this political uh, correctness cancer that's in our society and all this hyper politeness you are not taught to truly deploy who we are and integrate who we are into business it's somewhat of a, uh, I guess you'd say possibly a controversial approach, but I've had nothing but success and so have my clients. Being authentic, courageous, and to dare be yourself in business. 
Uh, I love the term courageous because for me, you know, in my business, having to, I've never been in sales, but in my business, being a marketer and having to go at my own business, that courageous really stands out because there's times where I don't feel courageous and I don't feel like I can go and present myself. It's like I have that confidence internally, but I always find it a little bit hard to project that externally. Do you feel that that is a challenge that a lot of salespeople and businesses face is oh, being that courageous? Is absolutely. That There's no question because I have yet to hear any sales manager or any corporation sincerely and genuinely talk about courage and authenticity. I have never heard it. And I've been in business for 30 years. I've worked for a major bank. I worked for a major corporation. I was a pharmaceutical representative. I worked for one of the preeminent chambers of commerce in the United States. No one ever talked about it, but my former boss, Alex Romero, who was the uh, president of the Albuquerque Hispano Chamber of Commerce. And he taught me a mantra that, that I used instinctively before and I've used it ever since. Overcome fear and do the right thing. So for people who are, who are hearing this and that they're, they're, it's resonating with them and they say they can kind of uh, relate to being afraid and having that fear, what is one thing that they could do to overcome that? Like how do they overcome that fear and be more courageous? It's what Buddha said or Siddhartha Gautama like three, 300 BC. It's better to know thyself than to win a thousand battles. First you have to know who you are. Whoever you is, you have core values. Whatever those core values are, you have to, in my opinion, integrate who you are into what you do so you self-actualize. Most people have a separation between the two. They don't integrate their core values into what they're selling or what they do. And uh, in fact, most people get caught up in this uh, silly kind of a structure or construct uh, called strategies based on what people do. Sometimes they even talk about how they do it. I don't care about any of that. I'm interested in knowing who you are. By the way, your clients are interested in knowing who are you, why should I trust you? But we don't get trained on those things. We don't get trained on how to deploy individual trust. We get trained on, you can trust my company or look at my brochure or look at our mission statement. Well, what does that have to do with you? Unless you can integrate you know, those into those core values of your company or to your mission statement, there's gonna be dissonance in the mind of your consumer your client, your prospect, because they're asking themselves, why should I trust you? You're in front of me selling me this product or service and or yourself. Why should I trust you? So in my business, Connection connection with a K, by the way, contact me, connectionnow.com, connectionnow.com. That's my website, and it's spelled with a K if you want to know more about these principles. So what I teach folks is to integrate who they are and what they do so they self-actualize, so you're closer to being authentic, powerful, and courageous, sincere as possible, and you garner the trust of your prospect, your client, or your advocate. So it really, you know, what you're trying to say is, you know, because when you're in sales and when you work for a particular corporation, a lot of the training comes from externally. You're trying to represent the company, so you get these brochures, and I've heard your take on brochures, like get rid of those brochures, and you're given these brochures and this mission statement from the company, but in order to be really courageous and find that that success, you have to look internally. You have to know who you are as a person, who what you stand for, what your values are. Because when if you're able to understand that, then that's where that courage comes from, and you're able to stand on your principles and stand on your conviction. And you know if you're portraying that out, then that becomes then other people buy into that, and then 
selling them or whatever you're selling just becomes uh, secondary because they already know you, they trust you, and they when you say buy this or do this, they're more likely to. They're going to say, I call it um, actual destination sales. Ask Jeffrey, call Jeffrey, buy from Jeffrey. I advocate for Jeffrey. So there are people in this community that will do that. And I'm just some guy from the slums here in Albuquerque, but I've managed to deploy as much courage, authenticity, power, and sincerity as, as I can in business. And by the way, it's not easy because sometimes I have to tell clients, you know, you're not welcome to my events because you're not intentional. That's a whole different topic. Maybe we can do a whole uh, you know, podcast on that. But I'm all about intention, purpose, and seriousness. If people aren't serious about business, I'm not interested in knowing who you are. And I'm being honest. There's only so much time we have on this planet. So why not prioritize our time and position ourselves as a resource to our clients with as much intention, purpose, and sincerity as possible? That's something I... I'm not I, trying to be everybody's friend is, is the caveat to what I'm saying. And I, that was something that really attracted me to you when I, when I first uh, met you in our first event was just how blunt and direct you are because you really don't get that particularly on networking events because like you said everybody wants to be somebody's friend but I think sometimes that gets lost is you're not there to make friends you're there to do business and um, so I think sometimes that gets lost in the messaging so what's another challenge or something that you see companies face when it comes to sales or branding themselves when you're talking about branding again that's one of the things I really focus on Branding essentially in the mind of your client, your consumer, your prospect, or potential advocate. That's a whole different uh, topic, by the way. I, I teach advocacy as opposed to referrals. That could be a whole different conversation. But one of the things that happens is uh, people don't recognize that branding isn't what you wear or your dumb brochure or the little logo on your business card. Nobody cares about that. Branding is what people think about you when they first meet you, when you leave the room. Okay, what, what you're known for in the mind of your client advocate or prospect, that's what part of your brand is. And if you, whoever you is, in this case it's Jeffrey and Roger, if you don't bridle and orchestrate and sincerely and powerfully and courageously deploy your brand, other people will brand you. Okay, because the mind hates a vacuum. The mind hates empty spaces. And if you don't do a good enough job of deploying, showcasing who you are, your core values, your client, prospect or advocate, is going to brand you. They're going to fill in that empty space with their own thoughts about you. Remember, I also teach facts are negotiable, perceptions are not. If people believe something to be true, it outweighs uh, facts, period. So you've got to be, in my view, very intentional, purposeful, and specific about what you're putting forth. As you can tell, the folks listen to me, I'm a very intentional, intense, purposeful person. I think people can garner that from, from hearing this broadcast for the last, whatever, 18 minutes or 11 minutes, because I purposely bring that forward into my business. You can ask my wife, my friends, my cat, anyone <laughs> who knows me, this is who I am in everything that I do. So there's no um, disconnect between what Jeffrey does when he's in business and selling something and what Jeffrey does personally. There is no difference. This is who I am. And people can count on it. They can trust it. And I'm a destination for that in this community. And that's what I teach people. I may not be the most liked person in the world, 
but people can trust this is who I am and leverage it ethically in business and more. I could personally attest to that because you and I have been working together uh, for about a year and a half now. And the one thing I always tell people when, if they don't know you and I'm trying to get them to go to one of your events is the, the best thing about Jeffrey is you always know when you're standing with them. If he's unhappy with you, he'll tell you, hey, I'm not happy with you and this is why. Or, hey, good job. And if he doesn't say anything, you're good with him. And so be, that being direct and being intentional, I think, is something that a lot of people miss. And if, But if you're always doing that, that feeds back into that courageous because you know where you stand and other people know where you stand too. So you kind of get, get away of that, uh, that kindness, that fake kindness that a lot of people put out there. So when it, what is your, personally, what is something that... When you see a brand, what's your biggest pet peeve when it comes to branding? Well, again, most people confuse or confound, you know, their company logo or their company mantra or their company mission statement with uh, with their personal brand. I was in banking. Banking. My experience in banking was it's it's a very arrogant, disingenuous discipline. I got I got the hell out of it. I was very successful doing it, but I I, I could only stomach it for like eight years because. And, you know, I'm not putting down bankers, but I am saying that most banks, particularly the bigger banks, some marketing department in a state five states away puts together these talking points, this mission statement, um, this brochure, and they basically just shove it down the entire marketplace and tell those people and train those people, this is how you're supposed to sell our bank. And it's it's pretty generic. It's fraught with a bunch of platitudes like we're a relationship bank and we want you to trust us. But they never talk deeper than that. Why should we trust us? What kind of relationship do you want? And that's what bugs me the most is when I would challenge my, because uh, I used to train my own bankers when I worked at this large bank. I would ask them, what kind of relationship do you want with the clients? Not one of them could, uh, could articulate the answer. They instinctively could talk about it, but they didn't really have a, a strategy about what kind of relationship they wanted with their clients. For me, my relationships are based on uh, being sincere, courageous, intentional, and taking action and having ethics. So if you distill all that, I need people that are ethical to take action. That's all I'm interested in. That's the kind of relationship I want with you. An ethical relationship that's based on action. And uh, it's pretty simple. And uh, again, most people can't answer that question. What kind of relationship do you want with your client? Or even better, um, or more challenging, why should I trust you? Those folks that are listening to this broadcast are probably right now searching their mind, their heart, their soul as to why they should be trusted. They should be trusted probably, the preponderant number of per per persons listening, but we don't get trained on how you can answer that specifically. That's what I do in my business connectionnow.com, connection with a K, now.com. Give me a call, Jeffrey Candelaria, 505-604-9081. Now, uh, aside from calling you, of course, what is the one thing, if, if a business had to sit there and say, our, our branding is not right, our sales aren't meeting what there's, where there should be, what is the one thing, aside from calling you, can that business do to improve? Well, th that's a that's a pretty overarching question, but I find lots of businesses don't know what they're selling. Like I'll give you a perfect example. Most people know Domino's Pizza. It's not frankly the best pizza in the world, 
and I'll ask people when I teach my marketing class, what is Domino's Pizza selling? Everybody raises their hand. The answer, the stock answer is they're selling pizza. Well, actually, they're not. They're selling convenience. And once you understand what they're selling, then you're going to be more effective in building strategies and tactics around that. But most people that are selling donuts at a coffee shop aren't necessarily selling donuts at a coffee shop. They may be selling experience. They may be selling just the societal need to interact with friends and community. And once you understand that, you can build genuine, sincere, courageous strategies around those tactics. Most people don't know what they're selling. I see that often uh, in my business and marketing. When I talk to somebody, they always focus on what they're selling as opposed to, I always say, look at the benefit. What is the benefit your end user going to get? Because that's how you have to, that's the hook you're going to get them. Right. Like you said, Domino's, it's pizza. It's not the great, greatest pizza, but the best thing about it is it's cheap and you can walk in and get a pizza for five bucks, five, six bucks and be off the door and be home and eating dinner. And it's that convenience. So I think if people were able to um, tune in and uh, tune into themselves and understand that benefit, they'd be a lot better with their branding. Um, and I would further suggest that benefit, you're on the right track. I think benefit is clearly a key to that process. But I would further submit that it's the experience. What is, my, what is my experience going to be like working with Jeffrey Candelaria? What's it going to be like? What's my experience going to be like working with Roger Gallegos? But people aren't going to say out loud, what's my experience going to be with you like? Because it's, it takes courage to ask that question. By the way, it also takes courage to say, why should I trust you? Yeah. And in this political correct society of ours, which is just insane, because I'm not politically correct, I completely don't agree with that construct. Yes, I'm uh, professional and I'm courteous to people, but I'm not going to try to be uh, their friend unless that friendship manifests itself through the experience of working with Jeffrey Candelaria and my prospect, advocate, or client. Yeah, that that's I love that that concept of the experience because. Um, if you could, I always tell people when you could look when you look to market yourself, try to put your target audience in the position of them seeing themselves benefit from what you're doing, and if that means showing them, and that's why you see advertisements of like restaurants of people sitting down eating the food because that's the experience they're getting that experience of eating the food and being out with friends. I mean that's you know a lot of times you even create the fake experience. That's where you get the the old, uh, you know, Bud Budweiser ads of the, you know, open up a 12-pack and it's an instant party with women in bikini-clad women at the pool because they wanted you to feel that that was an experience you were going to to feel and um, experience. And I look at Starbucks as a great example of that. Starbucks has mastered this whole experience uh, construct. You're not buying coffee there. Yes, you're buying coffee, but you also are interacting with people there, particularly if you go into the store. Plus, when you carry that little Starbucks, little whatever moniker, their little uh, logo, there's a certain, there's a certain <clears throat> elite quality to that that's very, that's very subtle. But you sit there in your cubicle, or you sit there in the conference room, you have a Starbucks uh, little logo there. It, you're, you're telling the rest of the folks, I'm part of an elite, Population. It's like a status symbol. Yeah, there's status there. I'm not saying it's good, bad, or whatever. I'm saying Starbucks understands that. Yeah. That logo, actually, that logo comes from Moby Dick, by the way, uh, Herman Melville, 
he was the only survivor of the uh, the Pequod. That was a story of obsession. That's a whole different project. <laughs> We'll talk That's, about that. Uh, Apple's time. also very good at that because you see their commercials, you see their ads, and it's really about creating that experience of putting yourself in there. So l let's shift a little bit, and I, I want to talk about you. And you, you touched on your experiences growing up. What are some of the challenges that you have faced or you're currently facing? And um, secondly, how have you overcome those challenges? Well, challenges... Uh, you talk, you're talking about in business or just overarching challenges? Overarching challenges. It could be in business, it could be life, whatever. Because I think those two things sometimes overlap. You know, sometimes it's hard to separate business from life and you have to... Okay, frankly, I face so many people that are just not that, not that smart, not that enlightened, to be perfectly blunt with you. What I mean by that is, yeah, people are intrinsically intelligent, I suppose. But I'm talking about smart in terms of, of business or not enlightened. I, I, I've got to tell you, I've been to so many seminars and workshops and everything, and they're just basically putting forth the same regurgitated standard, here's how you sell, here's what a transaction looks like. They're caught up in the transaction and not understanding the experience, particularly the experience in the mind of the potential client uh, or potential advocate. I never hear people talk about advocacy. Or, for example, or being a resource for your client. I mean, rarely, you know, I'll hear some of that. But just, I, I guess the, the challenge I've had is just my own frustration with just platitude, cliche, and status quo instruction about sales. From sales managers, from marketing departments, from corporations. It's just so dumb. Like, the whole thing with Wells Fargo, okay? They basically ripped off, what, 8 million people? Mm -hmm. And now they're saying, oh, we're going to reconstitute ourselves to when we were originally founded in 1847. Well, okay, are you really doing that? Or is that just some marketing cliche? And, you know, people are smarter than that. They see right through it. Are they really changing the culture at Wells Fargo? I don't know. But until you do that sincerely and genuinely and with courage, I don't know that you're going to have much of a real shift in the mind of the people that were obviously ripped off, the people that saw the nefariousness of that bank, and uh, and we'll see what happens there. But you have to have a true cultural shift when something like that happens. So I'm not picking a Wells Fargo. I'm just using that as an example. It's in the public domain. People know that. Uh, they ripped off millions of people, okay? So Wells Fargo, in my view, should culturally change what it is as a bank. It's not easy, but until they do that, I don't know how much success they'll have. So, you know, th this podcast is about finding out what made people successful here in a small market of Albuquerque, New Mexico. And one of those things that I like to look at and that I always find fascinating is how different people define success. Because I think you, and, you know, for just by anything, people look, can see a different definition. So how do you personally define success? Making a difference in people's lives. And what does that mean to you? Like... Well, I don't want to just sell you a phone or a, you know, a bank account. I want to be somebody in your life that can make a difference for you. And have an impact, positive Have impact. an impact in your life. What does that mean? It means because I'm very connected in the community. I've got a huge network in the region here in New Mexico. I think Albuquerque has about 800,000 people, so it's not that small a market. But anyway, notwithstanding, I have people sometimes call me and say, hey, can you help me get a hold of the mayor's office? Can you help me... Uh, with uh, the Social Security Department because my grandmother 
she got ripped off, whatever. If I can make a call for somebody, which takes two minutes, three minutes out of my life and help somebody, that's making a difference in their lives. And now I didn't do business with them directly, but those people will advocate for me. And advocacy is much more important than a referral, which is a whole different podcast. Yeah, so let's shift a little bit. Let's talk about the state that we live in, New Mexico. Uh, as you stated before, you are from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, have you ever thought of leaving our state? And if not, why have you stayed? Why well, stayed? I, oh, absolutely. I'm thinking about leaving. Um, I like bigger cities. I mean, we almost have a million persons in the metro area, but I want to spread this message throughout the country. I think there are other people that are disciples of this construct about being authentic, courageous, and powerful in business and not stuck with all these dumb transactional platitudes and cliches. So yeah, I want to spread the word. Um, I'm here because, you know, my ancestors the, or the uh, my forefathers and mothers got here in, out in New Mexico in 1680, before the pilgrims, by the way, were, uh, actually the pilgrims were in 1603, excuse me. But anyway, we've been here for a couple, 300 years. And so New Mexico is my home. The problem I have in New Mexico is it's pretty sparsely populated, and it suffers, in my opinion, from what I call anthropological insecurity. I think we're a very insecure state subconsciously, and it really hurts our ability to be successful entrepreneurs and leaders. I know it's controversial, but I'm saying it. I One of the things that has always stuck out for me, and this would probably inform my next question, uh, is the first time you met, or I met you at one of your networking events, you stated that Albuquerque and New Mexico uh, love the idea of mediocrity, that we love that. We love staying in it. So do you think that is the biggest challenge that New Mexico at large, and specifically that the business owners face, is that idea of wanting to be in, in love with mediocrity? Well, I, I'm going to, let me qualify that, okay? I, I don't believe that everyone in New Mexico loves yeah. mediocrity, but I think there are lots of folks, and I think we have 2.5 million people, so a sparsely populated state. There were lots of folks in this community called New Mexico, I mean a lot, that accept mediocrity as a standard. Part of it is just sheer ignorance because we're landlocked, so we don't see a lot of cosmopolitanness. I know this is very controversial, but again, I'm, I'm just saying it. I've lived it. So when people are used to a lot of mediocrity, it becomes the standard. But when you're used to a, a great standard, then you don't accept mediocrity as, as part of the, you know, the status quo. So there are great things in New Mexico, don't get me wrong. But when it comes to things like, in my view, leadership and business, we've had a lot of very mediocre success stories here. And I think in business, at least in that realm, people in New Mexico accept the mediocre standard as the norm. And I completely challenge that and uh, dismiss that as something that's just not acceptable in my world. How can uh, how can we, as a business community, help our state get out of that mentality of accepting mediocrity? We have to overcome fear. You have to so overcome back to what we talked about. You have to have courage. You have to be willing to say, "Hey, we want to uh, take a few calculated risks by maybe investing in uh, more." entrepreneurial platforms. I know it's begun to happen here in Albuquerque the last five years. I think you've seen some of that. But we can't fear if a corporation wants to relocate here. I think Topgolf is coming here in a, in a couple of years. 
I'm not saying that's the panacea, but there were like populations in Albuquerque that were like against this big corporation coming here. When it's going to create jobs and it's going to possibly augment our our tax base, but yet you had that fear of some foreign corporation coming to New Mexico. Again, that's not the panacea, but I think we should be welcoming of those types of things. What can we learn in terms of best practices from people from the East Coast, from the West Coast, from other places, from Texas, our neighbor? Look at every state around us has a robust economy but New Mexico. There's a reason for that. And part of it is I think we fear the quote-unquote the outsider. Well, sometimes the outsider does something as far as a best practice that's more efficient than what you're doing. Why not learn from that and create some kind of brotherhood to that best practice? So if you look at most data, it says, like, you know, data points, most businesses fail, uh, two-thirds of businesses fail within the first two years. What would be your advice if a business is starting up? How can they reach that third year and still be successful? Well, again, I think you have to know who you are as the leadership of that business. What are you leading? Not what are you selling? What are you leading? Um, what are you selling? We talked a little bit about that. Um, are you bringing value to people? Are you bringing an experience to people? Are you innovating in your industry? And most of all, you know, you have got to persevere. Um, business doesn't just take place right away. You've got to persevere. And Sir Edmund Hillary, I think it took him 24 times or something to climb Mount Everest. So the first 22 or whatever times he failed. But the last I checked, the last 200 yards of the highest summit on planet Earth is named the Hillary Slope after him because he challenged that mountain and became the first man along with his Sherpa, uh, Tenzu, I think his name was, to climb Mount Everest. And that's, uh, that's the apotheosis of the Paragon, the very representation of perseverance. Uh, that's very good. Uh, well, Jeffrey, uh, thank you so much for your time today. It was a very great conversation. Uh, I personally can attest to the value of speaking with you. Um, so how can our audience get in contact with you again? Your audience should get a hold of me, Jeffrey Candelaria, Albuquerque, New Mexico. My business is Connection, Connection with a K, now.com, ConnectionNow.com. That's my website. You can contact me directly. I'm answering my phone seven days a week, 505-604-9081, 505-604-9081. I can do a tutorial over the phone. We can Skype. You can come to one of my workshops if you're in Albuquerque. And uh, I'd love to interact with any of your, uh, your listeners. Uh, like I said, Jeffrey's a great resource, uh, so you should call him if you're looking for help with branding or your sales. Once again, Jeffrey, thank you so much for your time. Hello everyone, Roger here. Wanted to take a quick moment to speak to you about the Jingle Mingle networking event hosted by Exhibit on November 14th, 2018 from 5 to 7.30 p.m. at their showroom, 6207 Pan American Freeway, Northeast. Again, this is a free networking event with food, drinks, and music. It is a great event that Exhibit puts on every year to help bring people together 
to celebrate the holidays, but also present an opportunity for us to us business owners to get to, to learn more about it, one another, network, and further our connections. Uh, I went last year. It was a phenomenal event. Had a great time. Lots of people. Lots of good food and drinks and music. Uh, the only thing exhibit asks is for people to. RSVP. You could do that by calling 505-828-0574. Again, 505-828-0574. Or you could go online to Exhibit's website, go to the Events tab. Under, under the Events tab, you'll find Jingle Mingle. Click on that and you'll be able to RSVP. Again, highly recommend it. It'll be good for you. It'll be good for your business. I'll see you there. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the 505 Success Podcast, the business leaders of New Mexico brought to you by Exhibit. Please join us next week for a new episode with someone else on how they've grown success in their business and how you can do it too.